You're listening to Can I Help You with the Love Master himself, Craig Shoemaker. Peace and riches blessings to you. This is Michael Bernard Beckwith, the founder and spiritual director of the Agape International Spiritual Center and the author of Spiritual Liberation, Life Visioning, Fulfilling Your Soul's Potential and 40-Day Mind Fast Soul Feast. You're entering now into the vibration of Wake Up, the Sound of Transformation, a weekly program that invites you to discover not only who and what you really are, but to embrace the evolutionary impulse that governs all creation, that you may live up to your true potential that you may anchor the realm of ever-expanding good, the realm of excellence on earth as it is in the mind of the infinite. Today, you're listening with the ear beyond the ear, that you can begin to catch that there's something magnificent about you and that your life is an on-purpose with a purpose. Week after week, we will have powerful guests who have embodied spiritual principles and who are activating their own potential to begin to assist in the birthing of a kind and just global society of which you are to be a soulful participant. Listen with the ear beyond the ear and feel absolutely that there is something so good about you that it must be expressed. You have entered into the vibration of Wake Up, the Sound of Transformation. It's absolutely true. We want to take you with us. We're going into the higher ground within our own soul, bit by bit, revelation by revelation, insight by insight. And we want you to know that within you is limitless abundance, divine intelligence, more power than you can ever conceive of. And you're here to set it free. You're here to discover it, activate it, and ultimately express it. I'm with Craig Shoemaker. He's a modern-day Renaissance man. The show business career spanning over three decades as a stand-up comedian, an actor, an author, Emmy Award-winning writer and producer. He's also an ordained minister and has a Ph.D. in humanities. Nearly everyone responds to humor, says Craig. People want to laugh and play when given the opportunity. The trick is to create those opportunities in everyday life situations and challenges. The key? Laughter. Laughter works on all levels, beginning with the soul to foster motivation, healing, and a happier life. Through his LaughterHeals.org nonprofit organization, which advocates for laughter as a healing modality, Craig leads people in a laughter-filled journey through transformation and participation-based workshops. These keys to laughter, he says, is to nourish the soul and to provide the springboard for a new outlook on life. Based on his wide-ranging knowledge and experience stemming from his success as a highly skilled comedian, his doctoral work, Craig possesses the insight to guide audiences to change and heal their most serious issues with laughter. It's the comedy with the intention to inspire people to manage their personal difficulties through humor. Laughter also breaks down barriers and brings people together. So as you can see, Craig takes laughter seriously. In addition to his Laughter Heals work, He's the author of the critically acclaimed best-selling book, Love Mastered, a digital journey of love and happiness which inspires readers to manage their lives through personal difficulties with understanding, compassion, and grace. Brother Craig, welcome to the show, man. What a cool thing this is for me. My (laughs) 30-year guide I get to talk to, and it's quite different than most of the interviews I do. I know this is not going to be the way that a Howard Stern interview would go for me. (laughs) I don't think you're going to ask me my bra size. Probably not. (laughs) Hey, how are you? You know, it's a pleasure to have you on the program and uh, organization, Laughter Heals. You have all of that. You have Love Mastered, a digital journey to love yeah, and happiness. Yeah, after that bio, I don't even need to talk. I'll well, talk to you later. See you. <laughs> <laughs> Let people know you have so many things going on. You have your PhD, yeah. your comedy, writer. Let's start at the beginning. Tell us a little bit of your background story and how you grew up and well, what was, you had I to heal born, from. Obviously, I, you had to heal from a lot of stuff. Yeah, this tells you it all. I was born, my dad left the day I was born. I'm like, what, was it something I said? Wah, and you're gone? <laughs> the day you were born, he's out. He's out. He went out for milk or <laughs> he never came back. 
But yeah, I guess it started with that. And certainly I've had some difficulties and obstacles along the way. And truly, though, the pleasure is being on with you because 30 years ago, I showed up at Agape and it just took everything into a different direction, a more defined and purposeful direction. And it really is the reason for those, you know, credits on the resume or in the bio. And you're so much a part of that. And I just thought of a story, you know, I wanted to meet you for a long time. I'm in the audience and just taking it all in and just manifesting in my life. And I had something that really was tough for me that I just couldn't deal with. I knew there was only a spiritual solution. And I finally got a meeting with you. Someone set it up. I'm in your conference room. And I talked about all these things with this person (laughs) I was having a problem with. And I said, I'm just puzzled. There's nothing I can do. I've been in courts and everything else, and it's really difficult. And you took a pause. I'm going, he's going to give me some sage, beautiful spiritual advice. And you said, I have your solution. I'm hanging on every word. You said, you got to hire a hitman. (laughs) (laughs) I remember that as if it was yesterday. (laughs) You were so in it. I had to use your own humor strategy to pull you out. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then you said, I know someone for 30 grand downtown. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, this is the rev that I've been waiting to meet on a personal level, and this is what he's going to tell me. This is my solution. But what I got out of that, whether it was your intention or not, is the hitman is within me. It's the source within me. It's the divine. It's the spirit. And that's what had to have the hit. Absolutely. It was just a moment of having you become untrenched of the story for a moment. Yeah. Because, you know, we get caught up in our stories. They're so important to us. There's no way out. But as you teach, if you can shine a level of humor in there, those tonic chemicals start to flow. The coherence happens on the brain. And then wisdom and insight can get through. We can't get through any other way, you know. You literally can't be in that state while you're laughing. You can't go, (laughs) I'm depressed. I'm pissed off, man. (laughs) So during that laughter, it's at least a momentary escape at the very least that you're not feeling those feelings. And you're out of time and space at that time. You're not in time. And the wisdom and the direction is timeless. So it can't come in through the story. It has to come in through your openness, which you are a master of. I mean, I've watched your shows. The characters that you're able to, I mean, I, first time I heard you do Chris Rock, I fell off the chair. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I loved it when you showed up. You know, I mean, truly, you know this. You've been a real guide for me and an inspiration, I mean, for years. And here was my guy in the audience. And I saw you out there laughing. And, of course, there's that, oh, do I drop an F-bomb? This is the Rev. <laughs> I think you laughed more when I dropped an F-bomb. <laughs> Well, you know, somebody asked me one time about the use of profanity. I was on some program and it was taped and about profanity. And I said, listen, there's profanity and there's profanity. Sometimes you need a particular word to make a point. Yeah. I said, yeah. but it's more profane, dumping toxins in a river, polluting the environment, a strip mining oh, yeah. the earth, killing people, stockpiling people in prisons. That's more profane than any F-bomb anybody could do. Oh, yeah. yeah. I say this on stage. I mean... They're always, what about the children? Look what the children are exposed to on a news program, rape, molestation, schoolyard shootings. You think I'm going to F them up with an F-bomb? Right. <laughs> <laughs> you think they're going to be on the top of a tower with a rifle? Craig Shoemaker on a comedy show dropped an F-bomb. <laughs> it's, it's, it's true. It's well, listen, true. how did you become a comedian? I mean, what moved you into that direction? I was moved at a very early age, and it truly was, I don't want to sound you know, corny, It really was a way to cope. It was almost delivered to me on a platter by, you know, my dad's a cult leader. So your dad left you and became a cult leader? Yeah, yeah, he had a harem of women. One of my great moments of my life was I was performing in the Poconos where he's got Pocono Adventures on mules. He runs mule rides. (laughs) This sounds like too funny to be true, but I'm listening. Listen, I can say it on here. I'm never able to bring it to stage because no one believes me. But <laughs> So here he is in the Poconos, and I was visiting from Hollywood doing a big show at Caesars, and the guy's giving me a tour. And I'll never forget these words. He goes, over here, you got your racquetball. If you want to do racquetball during the day, you got your horseshoes. And he goes, oh, my God, there's A.J. Shoemaker in his harem. What's that nut doing here? <laughs> I got to say, that's my dad. Did you say it? I told him, I said, that's my dad. The guy had this look on his face because he's legendary in the Pocono Mountains of having, it's literally called a harem of women. And then he walks up with a few of them and takes my complimentary cheese tray. <laughs> 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 yeah, the girls at the ranch will love this. Judy loves Gouda. 
like, like, this is what I come from. But you you also were kidnapped at a young age as well. Yeah, I was kidnapped and by a serial pedophile for about five days in a horrible, horrible hotel. I thought I was going to, you know, white gloves greeting me in my limo and everything because this guy was kind of professing to be a father figure. And we're going to uh, supposedly in Philadelphia Eagles game in Washington, D.C. And it was just truly, it was actually a moment in my life where it was so significant that it changed my life in a positive way. Mm. It sounds strange because it was the longest five days of my life. There were no phones. It was, you know, urine on the floors and mm. this banging radiator with this guy that was, you know, I thought he was someone else. And there were a lot of lessons to be learned. And one of them was, this sounds strange, but one of the difficulties I have is with my mom, who, you know, she's very much about her. And when I told her, she said, you keep this a secret. Don't you ever tell anyone? And she didn't protect me. And it was a... She didn't want you to say what had happened. Oh, yeah, I told her. I told her I was 13 years old and I got back from D.C. And I told her and she just very clearly said, don't you ever speak about this ever again. No one will believe you anyway. And 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 she didn't want to be embarrassed by your kidnapping? Exactly. It Mm -hmm. was her image that she was concerned about, not about my feelings or not about the things that I was about to stuff and about to cover up with alcohol and drugs and sexual misconduct and and all those things that then were born out of that possibly and maybe other factors. So would you say this was like actually a transformational experience? You know, okay, your father leaves, he's a cult leader, you're kidnapped. I mean, this is, you know, it's hard to believe that one person goes through all of this, but you did. And so this became like a platform to be transformed and ultimately to be able to actually use your comedy as a transformational vehicle. Yeah, exactly. And to be able to share the wisdom gained from that. You know, there are many bottoms that took place. I mean, those are just a few of them, but Mm -hmm. there were many things that happened, which makes me embrace the joy of today even more because of where I come from. When I was a kid, it was so much chaos. This is a true story. I used to think the word evict meant move. I thought they were the same word. (laughs) Mommy, mommy, here's the eviction truck. And I'd pack up. I still keep a box packed. I'm still thinking that they're going to come for me, even with all this success. (laughs) Just in case. It's time to be evicted. And, you know, those things do not go away, by the way. They don't go away. That's true. You know, I tell people you don't get over something. You learn how to transmute it. You learn how to learn the lessons from it. Yeah. But you don't just get over, oh, dad died. I'm over that. No, you're not. You know, you learn how to live with that, you know, and how to grow from it and how to expand from it. But we're not trying to get over anything. No, no, not at all. We must embrace it and learn from it. And I'll tell you, this is something you might not know that you're related to. So I also had a bottom because I married my mother. I married someone who was exactly like mom, exactly like to the T so much so that they're the best of friends. This is what your book is about, right? Yeah, so my ex-wife was just putting me through absolute hell with lies and false allegations and courts. You know, this judge, I saw him more in a robe than I've ever seen any woman. I mean, <laughs> I thought I had to bring him a loofah. At least a rose. It was unbelievable. How many times I saw this guy, and I was going, what the hell? So during that marriage, I said to myself, you know, I tried therapy with her. I just tried to do everything. The dance that I did with my mom is... Oh, I got to please, I got to please, I got to please, you know. Mm. And I went somewhere for myself, and that was you had the Agape Institute. Mm -hmm. So listen what happened from that. I'm in there, and I meet a couple of friends, and we really bond because obviously there's this connection. We're all in there for different reasons. I meet this friend of mine who was there for another reason. Her two brothers had committed suicide, Mm -hmm. and she also couldn't deal with 9-11, how far back it goes. And she couldn't align with that. She didn't get it. And she was there to find her purpose and meaning and so forth. And I was there to deal with mostly how do I keep my marriage alive, got a child and so on. So I meet her and we become friends. And I mean, just friends and no designs like I have in the past with women and, you know, nothing. And then I did get divorced. I finally released this toxic thing that was going on in my life. And something came to me through higher source. I happened to be golfing with a guy. I just talked to him the other day. He's half Japanese. I said, I know someone who's half Japanese. And it was her. It was Mika. Mm. 
Mm. And I went on a date with her, and our first date was on our way to Agape on a Wednesday night. Mm. I said, you want to go to Agape? And we stopped for sushi. And I said a few things, and she goes, is this a date? And I was so out of it because I had never dated, you know, for all those years. I said, uh, do you want it to be I'm such a chicken? <laughs> and then she says, well, it's not now and or whatever. And anyway, it turned into a beautiful night. We never ended up at a service. <laughs> we ended up going to a movie. And then I said that night, I said, this is it. And I married her. And, right. She's uh, beautiful. Oh, she's literally the greatest human being I've ever met. And I mean, she's top three. She's the bronze and silver as well. I've never met a human being like this. But it really is everything in our marriage, all of it, the whole secret sauce was all found in those classes and in the continuation of that journey. So obviously this is why I'm thrilled to talk to you is you have a big part of my life, whether you know it or not. And what you've created there and that space that you created that I entered as a single guy 30 years ago and ironically, by the way, sent there by someone who I knew at the time who turned out to be my ex-wife. That's who sent me there for the first time. So you never know where the blessings are going to come from. Yes, mm -hmm. that's what I'm saying is you don't know mm -hmm. when I help people that have been molested. That comes from, I can only share what I know. Right. So if I help people that are going through difficult divorce, which the book covers, then it's from this wisdom gained that I get to share. And what a beautiful way to approach my life now. You're one of the few comedians, I don't know, uh, maybe Kyle Cease, you actually use your comedy as a vehicle of transformation. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, I don't know there's too I many out there a, that are doing that. I mean, obviously there are people that are out there that are healing themselves through comedy and going through the stuff you have to go through to stand up there. But you actually intentionally yes. use your comedy to heal people and to bring yeah. them to a point of transformation. Absolutely. One of my theories is, you know, I'm not being critical, but a lot of the spiritual community, yeah. they, they also don't know who they are and think that you need to sit on a rock in Sedona for your enlightenment. Right. And then we've got the comedian side of it, cynical, sarcastic, dark, and stay in that darkness. And that's what a lot of comedy is. So my goal is to unify the spiritual world with the comedy world, like build a bridge from the woo-woo to the ha-ha. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. <laughs> well, you know me, I'm a goof, so when I'm up there speaking. I know. People don't know this. You did comedy at the comedy store. I don't know if they know that. <laughs> well, you just outed me. <laughs> I, I just... <laughs> I never really tell that story, but it was on a dare well, many years ago, years way before Agape, and I'm sitting in my yeah. living room, and we're getting high, you know, and yeah. I'm telling jokes and whatever, and there was an open mic. Yeah. And so they dared me to go to the open mic at the comedy store, which I did, and I slayed the audience. Robin Williams was in the audience. Oh, wow. And people came out and said, are you coming back? And I said, no. You know, I was just doing this as a lark, you know. But I remember that night, and I remember, I mean, I don't even, I probably shouldn't go into the material. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I talked about, well, never mind, I'm not going to get into that. Let's just talk about you. <laughs> well, what you talked about, which I will get to here, is truth. Yeah. And if you boil down comedy, I mentor a lot of comedians. If you boil it down, it's what's your truth. And by the way, in your audiences, when I'm out there, I can tell you the stories. I can't say some of the times when you, you know, you'll get on a, you know, a roll of here's what life is about. But when you tell me a story about a difficulty you had at an airport, when you went to the airport and mm -hmm. it gave you a hard time and all that. So I can remember that story because right. it's a truthful story and I can glean my own significance for it into my own life. Right. And this is what I try to tell people is like, even the truth of our darkness, right. we must say it. Right. And we all have these character flaws and we share it. It makes us all one and all human. And that's what I try to do in comedy. I'll give you an <laughs> example of it's not my comedy act, but this will tell you my relationship with my mother. Mm -hmm. So you talked about Robin Williams. It reminded <laughs> me of the story. So. Obviously, I got into this business to please mom, like, will you give me attention? And a lot of things are like that. Your standard reasons for being in the performing arts is, oh, maybe they'll notice me. Maybe they'll love me. And I just didn't get love at home, I mean, flat out. Or, you know, much of attention, it was negative. But anyway, so I have this wonderful thing happen. I made a movie about this character I do called The Love Master. <laughs> He's Dark, funny. Lascivious, uh, yeah, character. So anyway... I win the independent film festival. My mom loves movies. 
and I'm backstage with 13,000 people in the audience in downtown L.A. And I, Robin won that award that night, Robin Williams. I said, Robin, my mom loves celebrities, and she's in Philadelphia. If I put her on the phone, would you talk to her? He goes, oh, yes, sir. The love message's mother. Oh, yes, I will. <laughs> <laughs> so I said, great, great, great. So I call her up. I go, Mom, Mom, you won't believe this. My film just won the Independent Film Festival, and I had to make it about her. And Robin Williams is standing here with me, and he wants to talk to you. And there's this pause, and she goes, that's very nice, Craig. You know not to call me during Jeopardy. <laughs> <laughs> I got to go. As she's hanging up, I hear her yell, who is Anwar Sadat? <laughs> she, had to get one, she had to get it right before my step. She had her priorities, man. <laughs> she had her priorities. Like, so here's that moment. I'm thinking, oh, my God, my mom loves Hollywood. Loves this. And, and you won. And you won mom. the independent. A film that I wrote and started and produced. And I'm just standing there with his blank face. I said, Robin, she hung up on me. And I'll never forget these words. He looked at me with such compassion and empathy and understanding. And he just goes, I understand. That's all he said to me. And I got it right then. He understands <clears throat> the pain that we come from. He understands a mother hanging up on you and making it about her. And it was just one of those real, I call them ha-ha moments because right. I'm in comedy. It was my ha-ha moment as right. well. You know? Well, you know, working in the entertainment industry, you know, it's rife with insecurity, ego, so many obstacles there. You know, how do you face all of that and keep things in proper perspective? I know you come to Agape. But what is your current spiritual practice? Well, meditation. Mm -hmm. And uh, a few weeks ago, by the way, I cheated on you because I moved far away. So I found another spiritual center. <laughs> I cheated on <laughs> you. But the whole time I'm there, to be honest with you, I'm just comparing it to your services. I'm going, oh, God. <laughs> well, at least it's a good conversation, at least. It keeps you one-pointed. But also, remember, you can live stream me on your computer and you put it on your yes, TV. Yes, that is true. So I do that, and I also attend 12-step meetings and deal one-on-one -on -one with a sponsor. Yeah. You know, really, I do a lot of inventory with self-examination you know, pray, meditate, and of service to people. And believe it or not, you know, I'm sure you've run into this. Business and spirituality are very, very difficult. Like when you're going to go out and find money to invest, like I've got movies and television shows. I'm actually doing 10 episodes in three weeks and of one show and four episodes of another show, all in the next couple of weeks. Wow. So things are really moving. But when you're going out for the money, a lot of those people are not on that journey, right. and I'm sure you found that. And they are in a world of toxicity and lies and bending the rules. So to stay in integrity and be in business is, you know, something that I'm confronted with a lot. Right. So the decision that was made, though, is cut out. You know, when you're out of integrity, cut them out. When you're doing the dance, cut it out. Cut them, you know. Mm -hmm. You know, I do that codependent dance where I want to rescue them or, you know, I want to save them. I want to, Well, you know, you're biting off a chunk of your destiny when you hang out with someone of the lower frequency yep. and they're not going to be in integrity yep. with you. You're going to yep. end up slip sliding if you're not careful. Exactly. And then I'm compromising myself for money. <laughs> and I really work hard on that. And that's a practice, believe it or not. Like mm -hmm. I recently cut. I've literally cut people. Like I'm a captain of a team and I cut them from the team. They can't be a part of your team if they're not vibrating at the level of no, your exactly. integrity and intention. And, you know, I see red flags and would paint them green. That was another habit I had, the codependency, the rescuing, and that is stopping. Mm -hmm. And I'm really happy with that practice, by the way. Mm -hmm. I'm so freeing. This new project we're on, we're doing four episodes of something called Comedy Kitchen, and I created it. It's a reality show where I take famous chefs and turn them into a comedian, and my chef celebrity, he turns comedians into chefs, and they get judged against one another. At this, <laughs> isn't that cool? I love this it. beautiful. So where will we, we'll be able to see this? Right now on JLTV, there are 55 million homes, but we're incubating it for a bigger network. Mm -hmm. We really believe in this show. And this estate winery where we're going to, my friend owns it in Napa, phenomenal. Like, that's a whole other character in the show. But everyone on the team, we just had a meeting yesterday, everyone from assistant editors to the showrunner, every one of them are friends of mine mm -hmm. that I truly resonate with. And when we're having these collaborative meetings now, we can obviously access our creativity 
because it's a safe resonant space. And again, the base is all in what I have learned from you and throughout the years in all of these practices. To even be able to embrace that and feel that yesterday, I get tingles at a business meeting. Right, right, right. Going, this is beautiful. My God, we're creating and we will make money and we're in flow. And me being at the top of that makes me happy, proud, a great feeling. Just that project alone. You know, I have another one coming up with my son. He's not an agape baby. I have two babies that are, though, because mm-hmm. I met Mika through you. So we have two agape babies. Right, but, right, uh, right, right. Didn't you boys. name them after me? One's name is Michael, the other's name is Beckwith? Yeah, well, no, we have a girl, so she's Michaela. <laughs> so I couldn't go Michael with her. She'd have problems. She would end up being a comedian like me, and we do not want that. Uh, so my whole goal in raising the kids is they don't go to therapy or don't go on a stage and talk about me. That's my raison d'etre right there. Then you like, know you're successful. Don't, don't give them any issues. My theory is they're going to be in therapy. Well, first of all, when they were born for the first year, I wanted to bite them. I understand eating your young now. I totally get it. Like, I you just you get that gritty teeth thing where you're just, oh, they're so adorable. So they're going to be in therapy one day. My father, enough with the I love yous. And he bit my cheek. Oh, my God. Enough. Jeez. He said it all the time. And he was always there and present. Ugh. That's what they, He's that's always so supportive, and he always took care of us. Oh, my God. Couldn't he just give us a break? <laughs> Couldn't he, like, abandon us once or not show up for a ball game or not coach? Jeez, did he have to coach? <laughs> so that's going to be what they're going to be saying, because you can never do everything right. You right, can never right. do it perfect. You know, they're going to have their it's issues. It's not about perfection. It's about growth and unfolding. Everyone, you're listening to Craig Shoemaker. You got to learn how to shine within. And this is what we've been talking about with the love master himself. His book is The Love Mastered by Craig Shoemaker. Now, this is a very interesting book you have here. What inspired you to write it? And uh, give us a little overview of it because it's a dialogue between you and another woman. Yeah. I guess on Facebook, you were private messaging each other and it became a full on yeah. expression. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what happened is what I've also learned in my spiritual practice. Again, part of my spiritual practice, by the way, is laughing. I have a thing in my workshops that we do. Uh, you know, I have the Laughter Heals nonprofit. And one of the things I do is take people through a guided laughitation. If you can meditate, you can laughitate. Laughitate. You don't need a joke. You just start and let the rhythm flow. Mm-hmm. And it is a riot how contagious it is. And people just laughing for the sake of laughing and for the sake of their health and for the sake of their well-being. Right. And that's what we do. And that's one of the things I teach. So what it does is it clears out for messaging. And sometimes those messages come in strange forms, and that's what happened in this case. You know, I've got tons of friends on Facebook. I'm at my limit. So anybody listening, don't friend request me. (laughs) Uh, You go to my fan page, the Craig Shoemaker fan page, and there I'll talk to you and stuff. And I really was digging what she was about. Like, I read her post, and, you know, sometimes that happens. It just sends to your heart the direct message. Wow, I really like her. But I didn't know her. She was a fan, you know, 3,000 miles away. And she just writes me a simple note. She says, I thought you wanted to know Matt and I are divorcing after 28 years of marriage. And literally, a jump inside of me happened, this juice of something. And I responded to her not in a way that she would ever expect or anyone would ever expect when you have the label of comedian. Mm -hmm. Because everybody thinks that we're right about the joke. We go right to the joke, you know. Mm -hmm. So I said to her, I've been down this path, and I have some suggestions on what kind of got me through this very difficult divorce I went through, which ended up in a beautiful marriage of significance today. And I said these things to her, and she wrote back, wow, you should be the next Wayne Dyer or Tony Robbins or whatever. She, I wasn't expecting this from you. And then it just started to get into this thing where we exchanged. You know, I was just, I'm just going to share what I have. A share with the journey that I went down. And she, it turns out, I was kind of like a muse for her. She's this magnificent writer, but all those years she put it away to raise children and be the wife of this, turns out to be, alcoholic, abusive husband. So I was able to be, I'm the only person, by the way, that she shared with. Like, no therapist, no nothing. And she used it to break free. And I said to her in the beginning, I said, our sharing of information is going to bring you back together with significance or you will learn how to separate with love. Mm-hmm. 
And so midway through this exchange, which, thank God, I have a great wife. Here I am with a strange woman, <laughs> private messaging. <laughs> yeah, 228 pages worth. <laughs> it's a book. Exactly. Is that what it is? Yeah. So, yeah, but midway through, I said, you know, this could be a book. It's just our exchange. You just have the two of us openly and honestly, and things happened during that year. My wife and I lost a baby during that year. Mm-hmm. And it's like, how do you deal with life? And that's what happened. And turns out it freed her to get through with her divorce. I made some suggestions that I did. Just don't wrap yourself up in money, for instance, and let go and more will come. You know, you have these numbers in your mind. You can't have that. You can't have it. Just, just let go and see what happens. So then at the end of the book, I don't want to spoil the end in case anyone buys it, but I said, I have an instinct, an inspiration. A friend of mine went through an abusive marriage, and I've known him for a very long time, since childhood, and they just separated. I said, I want to fix you up on a date. And I said, I'm now calling you, and I called her and got her number. And 3,000 miles away, I fixed them up, and they both, because I literally had a vision midway through this exchange Mm. that she will meet a spiritual man. Right. And I said to her, I said, look, this guy is no Brad Pitt. (laughs) He He has hairy knuckles. I couldn't go near him if I was a woman. But they met and it happened. And they met their match. They met their mates. Are her knuckles hairy? No. Oh, she's beautiful, by the way. This is no match looks wise, by the way. He's out (laughs) hunting his coverage, believe me. I would not recommend him on that level. But I do know who he is. Right, spiritually, his his depth. Exactly. I know the truth of this man, the love of this man who was beaten down and said that he was not that man, and so was she, and so was I in my former marriage. Mm-hmm. And that's what the book becomes about. And then they, they end, talk about a happy ending. They end up together for the rest of their lives. They met their match. They met their mate. Beautiful. Well, that doesn't spoil the book, because the book is full of just wonderful dialogue between you and her. Yeah. And is her name really Leah? Is that her real name? Uh, no. <laughs> I have to tell the truth. No. No, there's think a couple little, very slight changes to protect people. Right. Certainly, I changed my ex-wife's name, but you know, I can't refer to her as my cousin. Right, because uh, you weren't so, married to your cousin. You're not from Appalachia so, or anything. Yeah. Exactly. So, <laughs> so that one couldn't change, and obviously, someone like her was not happy with it. And I also say in the book, in the beginning of the book, I said much of this is fiction, so you can pick what is and what isn't. But the bottom line, if it was fiction, if it wasn't fiction, whatever it is, it's not about that. It's about what's the message you're receiving here? What are you dealing with in your life? You can find more joy, more happiness. But what are the ways that you can handle these obstacles and this sometimes just incomprehensible demoralization that we're in? Mm -hmm. How do you handle it? How do you manage through it? Mm-hmm. And I came up with an acronym for laugh and now laughter. The L is for love. Mm-hmm. You've got to embrace in love. That's the God. That's it right there. Right. Seven out of the 12 steps, if you're in 12 steps, deal with higher power. You've got to have that love. And the A is for acceptance. Is mm-hmm. Where are we not in acceptance? Mm-hmm. And the U is for understanding, having an understanding of what the truth really is and what's being revealed to you. And uh, G is for gratitude. Mm-hmm. Do this around our dinner table. We literally, since they can speak, these children are taught to list a gratitude list. Mm. Is truly embracing what you're grateful for. And the H is for humility, and that is the key to comedy. <laughs> to me, it's the key to comedy. It's also the key to the work I do. Exactly. Humility is what yields to the power. You know, if you get in the way exactly. of it, it's uh, not going to yeah. flow. And then you're in your ego, right. which is the opposite of humility. Mm-hmm. And if you go see my comedy shows, you have a lot of it is about just these admissions and self-deprecation and self-defecation. I call <laughs> myself. But, <laughs> I mean, that is the key to the H and in life. So I added laughter is T is for truth. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got to tell the truth. You've got to get into your truth and not what you want people to believe, but truly mm. who you are. Mm-hmm. And E is for expose, expose these truths and these lies that you've been telling. And the hidden beliefs believe. and the real beliefs, expose it exactly. all. Exactly. And then R is for rejuvenation. Mm. And that's laughter. 
and when I go to my workshops and conduct the workshops or, you know, I do one-on-ones with people as well, we get to that. And most of the time when you're in therapy, that's not what exists. My therapist, by the way, we laugh our asses off. Mm-hmm. And I just have such a great time with her because she also is humble and she shares her stories. That's how you become one with people, Mm -hmm. not from what you want people to believe with your image. And that's what I come from, by the way. My parents are both like that. And, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever the label is for that, that's what narcissism. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, well, okay, thank you. Well, <laughs> I didn't want to say it. <laughs> and then some people have borderline personality disorder, which I've had to deal with, and that's yeah. even worse. That's narcissism on steroids. Right, right, right. Never, you could be president, ever. perhaps, yeah. Yeah, be, you could be president. Yeah, by the way, that's the good side of what's being displayed here. <laughs> <laughs> you can learn from it. And when you have that disorder, it's so destructive and toxic but to remove oneself from it, which Leah, the person I had the conversation with in the book, she was dealing with it too. Yeah. But you can do it in a healthy way, and you're no longer their dance partner. That yeah. is the key. Yeah. We have to dance to our own music. Yes. And that's what's inside of every one of us. But we just get, oh, you know what? I'm going to reveal this for the first time. I've never talked to anybody about this, but there's nobody listening right now, right? Um, <laughs> I, I, I think you're going to like the new title of my book that I'm almost finished. It's called Get Out of Line and Into Alignment. Mm, that's good. Get out of the lines that we're all in. Yeah. You watch these Facebook exchanges or whatever about people's version of politics and what they, they're repeating like a lemming. What they learn, because they're in line. We're in line starting with the Pledge of Allegiance. You know, I You're speaking my language here, they, Brother Craig. They start with that, and they're in line, and they're rewarded with these, literally a ribbon you are rewarded with, in some cases, for your sacrifice to them, to the patriarchs that want you in line, and they will whip you into shape, and you will be shamed to not be in that line, and my whole book is all about, man, do I have a great life, just from listening to that alignment with a higher source, and it always tells me what I need to know. Absolutely. Even dealing with the politics, it tells me what I need to know. And by the way, this is a great lesson for us. I'm not going to get into politics and be specific, but what's being displayed here is our bottom is how I'm looking at it. Just like an alcoholic, you're either going to go join the drunk at the end of the bar and tell bad racist bigoted jokes and ha 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 all that fake laughter or you're going to be listening to yourself and say to yourself i don't want this this is not joy for me right is to immerse myself in this anger and this rage and not deal with it properly right and we're going to hit a bottom we're going to hit a bottom on it just like an alcoholic and that's my belief that's what keeps me going Right. Is this is showing us how bad it can be. Absolutely. I call it a time of watching an evolutionary trigger. A person exactly. that has been sent yes. to actually reveal all of the areas where as a nation we're wounded, where we need to mm-hmm. heal, where we yep. need to step up to the plate and really embrace a higher ideal, you know, all of the lack of humility, all of the narcissism, all of the hate, yep. all of that has been swept under the carpet for years. People thought it was a post racial society when Obama was elected. But yep. it wasn't and it isn't. And so now we can't hide it. We have to actually get down, roll up our sleeves and do the necessary work to actually embrace a higher ideal for not only our country, but for the world. Absolutely. Yeah. And we can learn about one another as opposed to separating from one another and learn that we're all human beings sharing this planet together. These are the lessons that are gradually going to happen. It's not going to be overnight. As you know, there's no great thing from God that's ever happened. The Grand Canyon was not built a couple days by a construction crew. <laughs> you know, it's years yeah. and years and years. And it takes years to develop certain memes and patterns right. that we have to ultimately acknowledge exactly. and transcend. And your work, obviously, and then your latest book, Love Mastered, is assisting in that. And I noticed as I was perusing... Your website, you have like keynote speaking topics. Yeah. Uh, Let's start with pursuing happiness. Why you? What about this title? Career freeze. Why should work always feel like work? What is that about? (laughs) You know, know, laughter and leaders, what people want to know about leadership. Yeah. Desperately seeking service. Hilarious look at the lessons behind good and bad service. What's that about? I mean, you're covering a lot of territory. Exactly. And I am doing more keynote speaking. Mm Mm-hmm. And again, 
look how we're programmed even to receive comedy or comedians. Mm-hmm. Do you know, right out of the gate, we're not allowed on the news because we're censored. And there's an FCC that is about censoring and monitoring what we say because we are the truth tellers. We are the people that pull Listen, the curtain on absolutely. the Absolutely. You're the court jesters, man. Yes. You're the, the ones who would go to the king and say, hey, you don't have any clothes on. Exactly. if <laughs> we could. Sorry, you got no clothes on. Nude is not a good look for you there, Emperor. And we do that and get beheaded for it. And it's amazing to me. One of my goals with Laughter Heals is actually to have a laughter lobby and go to Washington and start changing some of these rules up to free us. Because look at where we are right now. It's just sadness. It's dark. It's negative. And, you know, I'd like to bring a positive light. But people look at me like I'm the freak. For wanting that, you know, for having that intention. But that's why I say it's a one-by-one thing. You know, how many times has the big U.S. boss done something where you go, do they get it now? Mm-hmm. He literally said I could shoot someone and still be, be behind it. And that's how deeply immersed we are in that patriarchal rule, you know, where here's the jester that's being beheaded for exposing these truths right, right. in a funny way. To help people, that's the thing is people don't understand how much laughter helps you heal truly. That's why it's a nonprofit, Laughter Heals. I formed it years ago because my best friend got brain cancer, and they gave him three months to live. And this is the director of, by the way, you know, I've created a lot of babies. I don't know if you knew this. Did your wife um, know this? No, I wasn't there for the creation. Oh, oh, I see. uh, But I inspired it. They have sex after my comedy shows, and I can tell you so many cases. (laughs) Is this because of the Love Master? Yes. Why don't you let the Love Master riff for a second or two? Oh, the Love Master is this deep, dark character that I thought women wanted back when I was a teenager because I was a geek. And I said, oh, give the geek a chance, baby. Oh, yeah. Oh, I love you so good. Your neighbor will have a smoke, baby. Oh, yeah. That's right. I'm the love master, master love, baby. I'll have your knees knocking like a Jehovah's Witness on a pledge drive, baby. Oh, yeah. So anyway, the love master is what I thought women wanted. He's like this Lothario, you know, the dark sexual guy. Mm-hmm. And I'm making fun of it. But in this world, they don't understand that sometimes. They're thinking, oh, that's him. So then, again, now you've got other people trying to censor the comic and stop the comic from just this expression. So that's why I say to people, you don't get to just move on. So anyway, Gold, his child was literally created while we were filming the Love Master movie. He was the director. And we had a day off, and his wife was ovulating. I said, do the Love Master. I said, I'll go get sandwiches. <laughs> we're in a condo. So I went and got the sandwiches and came back, and he was already finished. And um, <laughs> and he did the Love Master, which always sounds funny when someone tries to do it. It sounds like Kermit the Frog. <laughs> but anyway, so there's laughter and joy. You're not trying to have a baby. Mm-hmm. You are just enjoying yourself. Right, right, right. And that's what laughter does. It loosens you up. Healing endorphins are released. Stress is relieved. Right, right, Oxygenating right. your body. All these things are happening. So I didn't know this at the time, though. I didn't know any of the clinical stuff. I just thought, hey, I'm just making people laugh, and I'm trying to get attention. So then his baby, Kayla, was born. And a year and a half after that, I said, you have three months to live. You have brain cancer. Inoperable. And that was when Laughter Heals was formed. I said, how can I give back to this guy? Again, inspired by agapes. Listen to your insides. Mm -hmm. And I started developing the programs at a cancer facility. He came to all of them. And one of the recommendations is turn off the news, which I also share with you. Turn off the news. You know, how many laughter programs do you watch? Tell us what you're watching these days. What's a funny movie you want to tell us? Mm -hmm. So that's what we did. That's what he did. He showed up at every one of them and just kept laughing. And we had to shoot him full of drugs and chemotherapy, all this kind of stuff. He lived 15 years past that three-month prognosis. Mm Mm-hmm. It came from a human being in fear, by the way, because the doctors are in fear. They don't want to be sued, so they guard their options. And he just jumped in on, I'm going to enjoy the rest of my life, and when I die, I'll die laughing. And by the way, I visited him in hospice Mm -hmm. uh, a few years ago, and he was in a coma. Mm -hmm. And many times through this process, by the way, he was in comas and all sorts of horrible stuff. But he's sitting there, and he's in a coma. I said, Golds, and we filmed this for the documentary, by the way, the Laughter Girls documentary. I said, Golds. I don't know what to do. I mean, we've done so many things, and I feel so helpless and powerless, and you're just lying there. I said, I don't even know if you know I'm here. I said, what can I do for you? And I said to him, 
Let me give you a handy. <laughs> I said, I've never done anybody but my own, but I'm really good with myself. I said, want to give you a little handy? He came out of a coma and he goes, ah! and he laughed. <laughs> I made him laugh on literally his deathbed and he died two days later. Wow. What was the name yeah. of the doctor that laughed himself into uh, health? Norman Cousins. Norman Cousins, yeah. He was not a doctor. He had a terminal disease. They gave him weeks to live. He lived 30 years past that prognosis, locked himself in a room. He had Robin Costello. And yes, exactly. Yeah. Which the other thing why I do the guided laughitation is comedy is subjective. Laughter is not. Laughter is the expression. I said, what do you mean by that? I said, well, listen, when you're laughing, everybody has a different stimulus on why you laugh. Mm -hmm. But it's the act of laughing that's most important because they, they, you're doing all those things for yourself. So it's so subjective. That's why I do the laughitation is you're just making a choice to laugh. But it doesn't matter what the content is. Like Patch Adams, you know, God right, bless him, right. wonderful thing. But if you show up in my hospital room with a clown shoes and a nose and a horn, I'm going to pull my plugs. I don't want to live. <laughs> I'm not a <laughs> that's not guy. for you. It's subjective. Exactly. And that's why laughing is not subjective. Mm -hmm. It's just the act of doing it that's really important. And that's what we're trying to teach. And it's, like I said, I'm trying to build this bridge between the cynical and the, oh, my God, you know, spiritual people and all that kind of stuff. Even the word spiritual throws people off. And then the spiritual people also suffer from kind of the same fate. Oh, by the way, I never shared this with you. One of the most difficult comedy shows I've ever done. Two incidents happened. One was I did Revelations. And I would say stuff like, my dad left when I was born. Something I said, wah. And they would go, oh, <laughs> <laughs> they, they went to compassion rather than laughter. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And a lot of people that are on the journey and if they're just beginning the journey, they don't know who they are yet. And therefore, they don't know their sense of humor. Mm -hmm. And they're mm -hmm. kind of worried about, does that look bad? Am I supposed to have my hands clasped right now? And there's the whole traditions of that that they're trying to figure out. So what I found was. Not the easiest show was doing Revelations, because if I would go down that dark path of, you know, I have a joke, and that gets an awe from most people. I say, um, I used to get arrested because I didn't have a dad. I was a delinquent when I was a kid, and 13, I got arrested, and the cop says to me, how would you like to end up like one of these guys on the poster? I'm going, at least he's wanted. It's <laughs> <laughs> a true story, by the way. Do you laugh? Because you know who you are. Other people go, oh, that poor little boy. He's not one. No, that poor little boy is jubilant that that happened because now I get to have comedy with thousands of people in an audience and share laughter together. Absolutely. So if that's what happened because of that, how wonderful is my life? Absolutely. Well, listen, I know you have to go, but how can people get in tune with you? What are you up to next? Okay. And what should people know if we haven't covered it? Doing a lot of TV shows and films, and if you want to contact me, Craig at CraigShoemaker.com. By the way, I appreciate you saying Shoemaker. People go, Shoemaker. <laughs> you make shoes, you don't mock shoes. Right, right. Unless they're Crocs. Those you can mock all day long. <laughs> so, <laughs> you can mock a Croc, but you know what the holes are for? So your self-esteem can slip out. And, and by the way, now that I'm married with four kids, I wear them all the time because I don't care anymore how I look. Because um, you know who you are. Um, yeah, exactly. And I don't care what people think as much anymore. It's great. That's called freedom. Oh, it sure is. Isn't it wonderful? That's oh, my, my God. It's, freedom. it's a beautiful thing. You know, I've been doing this 40 years and Agape 33. And, you know, you get yeah. to the point where I'm just in service to the divine. Yep. If you don't like me, it's okay. If you do, it's okay. Either way, I'm cool yeah. with me. <laughs> right, you know? right. And it's not an arrogant thing. People think no. it's an arrogance. It's no. I'm sharing my joy with you is not arrogance. My sharing my story with you is not arrogance. It's saying I want to be of service to the community, to the village, to people, to say, here's an avenue that I took. It's, it might not be for you, or it might be a similar avenue. You might learn something from it. And if you don't, that's not my issue anymore. Right. You know, you can go stay on that path of finding people to rage at, finding an enemy that's really not your enemy. Your enemy's right inside of you. So maybe someday you'll relate to something I say and hit a similar bottom. And then the evolution that takes place, what a wonderful way to live. So if you want to get in touch with me, I'm the love master on Twitter. I need more Instagram followers, by the way. I'm not verified for some reason. You believe that all my awards and stuff, they won't verify me. So maybe <laughs> after all your followers, I'm official Craig Shoemaker mm -hmm. on Instagram. And of course, laughterheels.org. 
And you can get more information, maybe have one of our comedians come out or me and do a guided lapidation and a workshop for you. We're not going to have one of your comedians. We're going to have you come up. Well, I'll give you a special rate. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll see your rate and raise you. <laughs> yeah, and I appreciate you doing my Enlightened Up retreat. You were the opening speaker, which was awesome. We want to do more of those. We had wonderful time, wonderful speakers on that. We had a comedian that just shared. I don't know if you were there for Carlos Mencia. was a surprise guest, but really talked about how he used comedy to deal with his pain. It was really cool. You kicked it off, and Mickey Willis, and right. all these people we had that weekend. It was wonderful. I want to do more of those and just really stay on this path. Quite frankly, I want to get out of comedy because <laughs> even that's in line with things. Yeah, you, that you just want to be you. With. Yeah, I want to be me on a different stage, and that stage might be hard to accept for people. It might be four people in the audience, but that's what I want to do. Well, but I, I really appreciate, man, this is awesome. I get to hang with you. I'm going to have you on my podcast next, and we're going to reverse it all okay. and find out what your material was at the comedy store. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to get that out of you. So listen to my, my podcast. is called Dr. Craig Shoemaker, Can I Help You? Inspired by all I've learned at Agape is how can I help people. And we have guests, anything from a celebrity, Samuel L. Jackson, to my accountant. I'm going to come. You got it. So listen, everyone, this is Craig Shoemaker. The book is Love Mastered with a D, a digital journey to ultimate love and happiness. It's his exchange with another young lady that was having a private chat on Facebook. 228 pages later, he's dealing with the darkness and the angst of a marriage that he went through and she was going through a tough time. It's filled with honesty. It's filled with insights and revelations and teachings. It's a really, really good read. Craig, thank you so much, man. All right, my brother. Appreciate you. Look forward to seeing you. Absolutely. Talk to you later. Laughterheals.org. Go give it a visit. Check it out. See how you can support it's a nonprofit organization which offers grins, giggles, and guffaws, and raises the awareness of the healing powers of laughter, working in aftercare facilities, hospitals, mood warriors, cancer patients, rehabs. Well, just about everybody needs laughter, and we're here to spread it around. It is the best medicine, so just open up and say, ha ha. This episode was brought to you by laughterheals.org. How was that for my announcery, advertisee, promotion voice? Laughterhills.org. Thank you.